What's up, y'all? Welcome back to the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Dimling here with y'all as always. Before we get started, I do want to let y'all know about a new podcast schedule that will be uh, debuting soon. Um, so, you know, we started the podcast about two weeks ago. And uh, was trying to decide on a schedule. So right now in the off season of college across, I've decided in NOL as well, still starting back in March. I have decided that I will do so in this off season period, three podcasts per week. One will come out on Tuesday. One will come out on Thursday. And then Sunday, I will do a mailbag episode. Might not be like that every single week. Um, For instance, Thanksgiving, probably will not have a podcast. But uh, probably will not have three podcasts that week. Uh, But will be like that the majority of the week, the majority of the weeks leading up to uh, that February 1 date. When college lacrosse starts, um, we will have some you know, special podcasts as well, um, various times and things of that nature. But that is what the schedule right now um, is going to be pretty uh, simple. We're going to try to stay to that Tuesday, Thursday, and then a mailbag one on Sunday. Secondly, I've been doing, uh, I've been getting a lot of questions regarding of recruiting, and I've been getting a lot of questions regarding conference preview stuff. So, first off, recruiting. I will do a recruiting-heavy show uh, sometime soon. Probably next Thursday is when I will do one. Um, next Thursday or next Tuesday. So sometimes, sometime next week, I will do a recruiting podcast uh, will probably will probably be next Thursday um, so we'll see on that one but that's probably when that will be I will do a recruiting heavy podcast also uh, the conference previews they will start at the end of this month uh, end of November so you know a lot of y'all asked when will they start they will start there. Um, and so I'm doing my, on the website, lacrossebucket.com, have been doing preview articles for every team. I have about 15 left, I think. I just put up St. Joseph's today. I have them written for about, I think I have almost all of them written already. Uh, but after all of those publish which is set, I believe, Thanksgiving week or the week prior to uh, American Thanksgiving is when it ends. So once those end, once that comes to a close, I will start doing the conference preview podcast on the pod, or here on the podcast. Um, And we'll get to some other stuff on the site as well. Um, Some positional breakdowns and things of that nature. So to start off here, 
I do want to kind of touch on Hampton canceling the 2021 season. So last, what was it, last Friday, Hampton, or was it Thursday? It was last week. Hampton canceled their 2021 spring sports season. They're the second lacrosse school to do so. First in Division One, Swarthmore canceled their uh, spring sports in the middle of October. Hampton coming on October 30th, uh, so late October. So Hampton will not play lacrosse this season. The Chaz Woodson debut as a head coach will have to wait another year, unfortunately. Now, what a lot of people have talked about after this Hampton news is how does this news impact the rest of college lacrosse? What does this mean for the rest of the season? How many teams will be playing? Where we sit right now, recording this here on November 3rd, I know I could see one to five teams cancel maximum. I don't necessarily think we will see teams cancel after Hampton. I don't think this is a trend. I do know there is some concern with things like testing and the affordability for some smaller schools and smaller conferences. But overall, you know, college class starts in February. It's November. We still have time. Things could change very positively in terms of this virus is concerned until then. So, I don't necessarily buy what a lot of people are saying is, oh no, the season's, you know, this this was going to happen. The season was going to get canceled. Hampton canceled. That's the first domino. I, I don't think that. I don't think there's a domino train to, to follow. Um, I, I, I just don't. Um, now... In terms of teams that would cancel, I believe it would be smaller teams like Hampton, smaller programs that maybe can't afford that kind of rapid testing. That's why Bethune-Cookman canceled their uh, spring sports. I think Bethune-Cookman canceled basketball as well. Um, I think they're the only basketball school that's canceled right now. So we'll see what happens on that front in lacrosse, but I do not believe teams will cancel those seasons. I think Hampton is an outlier. Um, I think they made a a, 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 a terrible, terrible decision, um, terribly misinformed decision in terms of canceling it this early. Um, you know, do everything you need to do to be safe and to ensure the safety of your players, but canceling the season is not the answer. Canceling the season October, canceling a season that starts in February on October 30th 
is certainly not the answer. Now, staying in the Old Dominion state here, the one team that I've been asked about a lot is the Virginia Cavaliers. And with the news coming down last week that Peyton Cormier has entered the transfer portal, thought it would be good to talk about the Wahoos on today's show. So let's dive in a bit to the defending national champions. Remember, they won in 2019, so they're technically still the defending champions. Had no championship last year. So, Virginia currently, you know, the biggest loss that we know of 100% is Michael Krause. Big, big loss for them on the offensive end. We are not 100 per, I, I am not 100% certain that Doc Aiken is coming back. He had planned to play football at Villanova. Their season got pushed to the spring. That's when the CAA is playing football. And I literally just checked before recording this. He is listed on both the Villanova football roster and the Virginia lacrosse roster. Pretty sure you can't play on two teams, two different schools at the same time, in two different sports. I don't think that's possible. If it is, correct me. But does not seem possible. Um, so we'll see what happens with him. Um, you know, if they do get him back, that's a plus. If they don't, um, I, I have I have confidence that Coach Tiffany and his staff have a plan and have enough talent to deal with it. Now, as far as Cormier goes, you know, if he ends up leaving. Oh, excuse me, if he ends up coming back, if he ends up not leading, he'll be the second returning point getter from last season. He's a big returner if he comes back. And if he does come back, with Charlie Botron coming in, transferring in as a grad transfer from Merrimack, I expect Cormier to get bumped down to midfield. He played both last season, was really good. Um, he's a versatile player has that skill set that can play both attack and midfield. He's kind of a tweener. I like the kid's game. But with Bertrand, I think you bump Cormier down if he does return to midfield. I believe he started his first college game was at midfield, if I'm remembering that correctly. Now, if he does leave... I think it will it will certainly be a hit, but it I don't necessarily know that it is like apocalyptic per se. Now, if Doc Sakin does come back and they lose Cormier, I think that balances things out. If they lose Cormier and Aiken does not come back. I think that's a that that's a bigger issue. 
you know, I, I think Coach Tiffany in an Inside and Lacrosse article, I think he said that he um, you know, hopes Cormier comes back. Um, so maybe that's a sign that he knows. Uh, maybe he knows something that we don't. Um, but, you know, for Virginia's sake, hopefully Cormier does come back. He's a great player. Um, you know, if he doesn't, you know, wish him the best, uh, obviously, wherever he goes. Um, but this UVA offense, I think, you know, Columbia is a stud, but I think this offense is just so loaded, they can do without him um, pretty fine. And, again, like, if they lose him and Aiken, yeah, that's a different situation. And I think that, that that's a bigger problem. But if you lose one or the other, I don't think it's necessarily, uh, like, I wouldn't panic. If, if you lose one, but you get the other back, I, I, I would not panic there. Um, and certainly, I do feel losing losing Aitken is a bigger impact than losing Cormier. And I like Cormier. I love the kid's game. He's a stud, but he was, he was just a redshirt freshman last year. I think he still has a lot of room for improvement. So I don't think you're losing Cormier at his best, whereas Aitken, I think you're losing him at his best. Coming back as a fifth-year senior, you're losing Aiken as at his best, at the peak of his performance, peak of his um, kind of uh, m- maturity as a college lacrosse player. Whereas Cormier, he still has a lot of room for improvement. So that's 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 kind of where I'm coming at when I'm talking about Cormier is maybe a less impact loss than Aiken. Now, outside, you know, I mentioned those. Uh, this UVA offense is absolutely stacked. Outside of those two, um, you know, they get Matt Moore back. They get Ian Laviano back, uh, both at attack, as well as Charlie Bertrand coming in from Merrimack as a grad transfer. And then, you know, at, at the midfield, Jeff Connor and Peter Garner, who are freshmen and sophomores last season, um, look to be even better at that midfield than they were last year. And then guys like Connor Schellenberger and Xander Dixon, who have yet to play um, a single minute of college lacrosse. I don't believe Dixon played at all last year. I know uh, Schellenberger uh, was a red shirt. He red-shirted. Um, but both those guys have not played a minute of college lacrosse. Were both highly ranked coming out of high school, you know, they should step up this year. I know Dixon is another guy that entered the transfer portal and then withdrew his name, returning to Charlottesville. And then, as always, like, Virginia is going to get the rock because they got this dude named P.D. Losala at the faceoff dot. Um, so I think with him there, I think this this offense is going to get possessions. They're going to get possessions. It... it this offense is, is, is very, very good. They're going to get possessions. And, you know, just by default, I mean, I, I do believe they are one of the best offenses in the country. I would like to see more um, more depth, and that's what I'm talking about with guys like Schoenberger and Dixon. I would like to see more depth than we saw from last year um, from this offense. But at the top, like at the top level, this is one of the best units in the country. Now, kind of the biggest question for me, 
for Virginia this year is on the defensive end. Alex Rode is a solid goalie. Jared Connors is the best LSM in the nation and a top five player overall, in my opinion. I might even put him top three overall. But what I start to worry is that close D for this team. Kyle Collegy will be a senior and is going to be the leader on that back end. Quentin uh, Matusi, I believe is how you pronounce that, and Scott Bauer are just sophomores. And, you know, they're both good. I like both their games. Um, I've been on the Scott Bauer hype train since he was in high school, but I don't necessarily know that I trust them yet to kind of make those next-level plays. We'll see how they progress this year. Um, I think they both were fine. They were solid last year. Uh, we'll see how they progress this year. But when you look around at College Cross, at some of the other top five teams, uh, top five, ten teams, I don't know that I have as much confidence in this defense as some other teams. Now, depending on – so Cade Sostad was out last year. Depending on with that injury, depending on if he's 100% healthy and can play at the level that we've seen from him, that we saw from him in 2019 as a freshman, if he can can, can come back at that level 100% healthy, my view of this defense changes. Because you plug him in there, and I, I honestly do, I think he is probably, I mean, Kyle G and Sostad, that's a two-headed monster there. You know, uh, Matusi and ba- and Bauer are, are, are great players. And Sostad is another younger guy, but I think from what I saw from him as a freshman, I think he was farther along as a freshman than both Matusi and Bauer. If Sostad is healthy, 100% healthy, this defense, my view of this defense at least, changes drastically. You know, right now, I think this of this defense as being more near the bottom of the ACC, which isn't necessarily that bad. The ACC is stacked, but I just think, um, you know, they're younger at the bottom uh, in terms of this defense, and I don't have a ton of confidence in those guys, yet I've got to see more. Like... And, and then when you talk about national perspective on Virginia, um, I, I like Virginia to win a national to challenge for an ACC and national title. But and I'll dive deeper into this when I get into my ACC preview pod, and then when I release my early top 20 rankings, but right now, just kind of looking at it, I have Virginia definitely behind Duke and Syracuse. I think they're definitely a top five team. I just don't know, are they three or are they five? It is somewhere in that range is is where I put them. So this is going to be a strong squad, a very, very good, good squad. That offense, I have a ton of confidence in. Their defense, some of those younger guys, I've got to see more. But I do like this Virginia team. 
Um, I do think they're one of a handful of schools who actually has the ability to make a championship weekend run in 2021. Now, last week, I took a look at some of the first year or teams with a first year head coach that I thought would do best in year one. So, and that was on the mailbag pod uh, on Sunday. So this week, and I also looked at some teams that I thought could take a step forward. I believe that was on Thursday's pod last week where I looked at teams that could take a step forward um, after a bad year. I used some of that criteria of winless, one win, and then I added Cleveland State in there as well, who had two wins. So this week, I thought I'd give y'all two programs with second-year head coaches who I'm pretty high on coming into 2021, and that is Navy and Stony Brook. So starting with the midshipmen, I must say, I was a big fan of Joe Amplo at Marquette, and I am a big fan of Joe Amplo and what he's done at Navy thus far. Last season, I wrote around the same time that there were two areas on the field that Amplo had to address for Navy to be successful and move forward. Those two areas, defense and diversifying the offense, more specifically, getting that midfield more involved. So far, they have done that. Five games is a small sample size. To be, I will be honest about that. But improvement shown over any portion of time is important. Navy went from 50th in scoring defense, allowing 12 goals per game in 2019, to, at the time the 2020 season was canceled, having the 11th best scoring defense in the nation, allowing nine goals per game. That's a pretty sizable jump. And they held Manhattan and now defunct Furman to under five goals. And in today's game, with the shot clock and the speed of offenses, that's not something you see all too often. Josh, or- Josh Orson, the defensive coordinator, has done a great job in year one. Their unit, or his unit, looks really, really good, and I-, I think they should have continued success in year two under the Amplo regime. Seniors Nick Franchuk and Andrew McKenna should be leading the way once again. Uh, like both of those guys, uh, you know, Franchuk led the team. I believe he was the led the team outside of the faceoff position in ground balls, and had seven caused turnovers. McKenna had eight ground balls and six caused turnovers. Both seniors uh, coming back this year should be strong pieces of that back end. They also have a strong stable of short stick defensive midfielders and LSMs that they can deploy. And you know, I think they're pretty deep at both of those positions, uh, to be honest with y'all. Um, now, the biggest piece, and I guess this would be the biggest drawback to anyone who is getting overly excited about Navy in 2021, 
is that they have to replace Ryan Cohn and Cage. Ryan Cohn has been a stable, or has been one of, he's been a staple of this team, uh, one of the best players in recent memory on the defensive side. Um, replacing him is not going to be easy, uh, but I do still think, and I'm not sure who they will put in for him, but I do think this defense will still see improvement even with a different man anchoring things in cage. Attackman Christian Daniel will be a senior this year and should maintain as the headliner of this Navy offense. But, and he was last year as well, but the midfield did get more involved last season, and I feel they should, even this year as well, continue to do that. Uh, Patrick Skalnik and Henry Lentz were impressive at the midfield spot last year as freshmen really liked what they brought to the table. Now, they also have Michael Foster, who sat out last year with an injury. He'll be back in 2021. I believe he'll be a senior this year. Uh, He was a stud in 2019, was their best midfielder, best option at the midfield spot in 2019. He comes back. We'll see how strong he can come back, how much of an impact that will have on this offense overall, and getting this midfield more uh, involved, even more so than they were last year. And in addition to the issues that Ampo and his staff have already addressed, they brought in the number one recruiting class in the nation. Think about that. Number one recruiting class at a service academy. That is impressive. Very, very impressive. And while I do expect some of these guys, like defenseman Jackson Bonitz and attackman slash midfielder Xavier Arline, if he does indeed play both football and lacrosse all four years, to contribute some this year, I'm not exactly sure how much this team will need that freshman support overall. I do expect some guys to play and make an impact, but I'm just not sure right now how great of an impact these freshmen will make. But bringing in the number one class at Navy is pretty impressive. Now, Joe Amplo and Navy, they got things going up. Joe Amplo has things going up at Navy. As far as the prospects for this team in 2021, I don't think 2021 is the year that we see them climb back to the top of the Patriot League, but it will be the year that the climb starts, and I do believe that Navy has a very, very good chance of making the postseason, meaning the Patriot League tournament. That is as high as I am willing to go with my expectations of this team this year. But I do think they will be very good, very competitive, more competitive than they have been in the past couple seasons. Things are looking really, really good at Navy heading into the second year under Joe Amplo. 
as far as Stony Brook goes, you know, I believe, honestly, I believe Stony Brook is the second best team in the American East in 2021. And to be honest, like Anthony Gallardi didn't have to fix much. He just had to get them over the American East, or he just has to get them over uh, the American East semifinals hump that has blocked this team every year since 2020, since 2012. Literally, think about that. They've lost in the AE America East semifinals from 2013 to 2019. Every single year losing in the semifinals of the America East tournament. Have not gotten over that hump since 2012 when they won the conference and went to the NCAA tournament. I believe that was Jim Nagel's first season there, a first year post Rick Soul. Here in 2021, I mentioned I do have high expectations for the squad, and mostly due to the fifth-year guys they return, especially on offense. Tom Hahn, Corey uh, Van Jehoven were their two top point-getters last season at attack. Midfielders Chris Pickle Jr. and Connor Gripe and Harrison Matoka, who plays both ways and was a NLL draft pick, uh, were all top 5 or 15 uh, point scores last season. And on top of that, they returned uh, some pretty strong underclassmen at the midfield in Caleb Parson, uh, Mike McCannell, and Wayne White, who I expect uh, to have a pretty huge season after returning from a season-ending injury that he suffered in 2019. Uh, last year, had a strong 2020 campaign coming off that injury. I expect him to uh, take even a bigger step here in 2021. This offense has talent all over. Um, 26th, 26th in scoring last season. And I think one of the biggest aspects to this offense and really this team having success is Lenz Conlin at the faceoff dot. Top five guy in the America East last season. Uh, transferred in from Division Two, Franklin Pierce, I believe. Um, had a really, really good season. Was really impressed with him. Uh, one of the best transfers at the faceoff dot last season overall. Think he should be even better here in 2021. Now, the offense and the faceoff dot, I like. Like, there's a lot to like there. But the one issue I take with this Seawolves team is their defense. They were very unpredictable last year on defense. And I would even go as far as putting two of their losses, Bryant and Fairfield, at least like heavily on the defense. Not fully, but at least putting it partially or like heavier on that defense. There's no way, absolutely no way, that you should be giving up 15 and 16 points, which they did in that game. Get 15 and 16 goals. That's pathetic. Like, unless you are against a top five offense, a top five team in the country, unless it is against a Duke or somebody like that, that's unacceptable. Um, like no, and, and nothing against Fairfield or Bryant. They have good offenses, but giving up that much isn't ever going to win games. Now, they do return some good pieces on defense, though. C.J. Trinkle, 
uh, who's a defenseman, and Michael Bollinger, who's their goalie, both return for the fifth season. They will help, and I am hopeful having them back will help this defense grow. Because I do feel like they did make strides um, and show it late in the season. I guess it wasn't really technically late, but the past, last couple of games before the season was canceled, they showed some growth, some real growth. But this D overall has got to be consistent if they're going to be the team I believe they can be. And I believe they can be the second best team in the America East and challenge Albany in that America East title game. I firmly believe that. I believe if you look at the America East right now, it is Albany and it is Stony Brook. We will see where Vermont and UMBC um, lies. I think maybe UMBC is above Vermont there. But I do think it is Albany and Stony Brook as the top two teams in this conference in the America East this year. And if Stony Brook, I think they can show that. Stony Brook can be a very good team, and they can go to the America East title game, get over that semifinals hump this year, especially with the offense they have. But that back end, that defense, has got to fix things up. They've got to tune up if they're going to be willing to make that kind of uh, a run in 2021. That is all for today's show. Again, thank you all for listening. As always, you can uh, check us out on lacrossebucket.com is the website. Social media, at lacrossebucket. My personal, at Tanner Dimling. Tanner underscore Dimling, excuse me. As always, again, the website, lacrossebucket.com, where it's always lacrosse season. Have a great rest of the week. We will see y'all on Sunday with a mailbag. Remember, you can hit us in the DMs on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and email lacrossebucket at gmail.com with your questions that may or may not be answered on the mailbag pod on Sunday. Again, thank you all for listening. Have a great week.